0: Good morning, again. Hey, it's awesome to have you here. Welcome back to this series that were messages here in October called Angels and Demons. Interested? You know, we started off uh, the first Sunday, we just asked the pretty basic question, pretty important though, is it real? I mean, is this spiritual realm, whatever you call it, is, is it even real? Yeah, of course it is. Of course it is. And... We as human beings, you think about how God created human beings, the first man, he formed the dust from the ground, there is body, there is flesh, and then he, what, he breathed into that physical substance, his spirit. We, we have a soul. So yeah, as creatures with body and soul, yeah, we are always living in both of these realms, this physical and spiritual realm uh, all around us. Last week, if you didn't hear it, check it out online, uh, our YouTube channel, Pastor Jeremy had a really great message on who is our enemy. I thought he made a really good point. You know, that person that uh, just greets our nerves, that person that annoys us, or that person who's always slandering us, or out to get our job, or back, you know, whatever, that person is not actually the enemy, right? The devil is our enemy, That person is someone for whom Christ died, whom we are to show the love and the grace that God has shown to us. So important. I talked about the tactics of the enemy, how he likes to tempt us. Okay, but today and next Sunday, it's all good news. We're going to talk about the real, actual, spiritual weapons that God places in our hands to live in this war zone. Now, if you were uh, an army of any country uh, going off to war, you would go through some pretty tough training before they let you get out into the field or out into the fleet. Boot camp, right? The whole purpose of boot camp is to turn a soft civilian into a hard-fighting machine, right? Well, maybe a little spiritual boot camp, a little spiritual training would be good for us spiritual warriors because any army is only as good as it is trained and equipped, right? That's why this this country here has the best army in the world, the best trained, the best equipped uh, in the whole world. So, wouldn't it be great if we knew what those weapons were? If we knew how to use them? We knew if there were any exercises that we could do to be prepared for not only the daily battles that we all face, but the big ones that come into our lives in different seasons? Sound good? Yeah. So this week and next week, we'll be talking about those spiritual. Weapon. So today we're going to look at uh, that first reading there that Paul, we'll call him Pastor Paul today, uh, wrote to his church in a city called Corinth. He'd gone there, he started this church, he shared the gospel, you know, told everybody about Jesus, had gathered people together, kind of set them up, got them going, and then he went off to start another church. But he would get letters and he kept doing this, you know, starting new churches and he kept in contact with all of them, writing letters, getting, receiving letters. Well, the church in Corinth was going through a little spiritual battle at that time. Paul had left, and in his absence, other people had come in and tried to say, well, you know, Paul said this, but let me tell you about this philosophy, or let me tell you about this new way of thinking, or reading the Bible. And, and Paul heard about that, and he said, no, this, is, this has got to stop. And, and this is how seriously he, he took that instance, that, that, that issue. He says, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. Just stop right there. Waging war. Pastor Paul affirmed to his congregation that, yeah, this is a spiritual war we are in the middle of. It's nothing short of that. Uh, we're not waging war according to the flesh. In other words, we're not the worldly tools or weapons. Uh, that we have, are not going to be effective on the spiritual battlefield. Now, the first point, a uh, little caveat, I guess, is he doesn't say that the weapons of the world, the, 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 of the flesh, are, are bad, right? There's certainly great tools that we have that help us as individuals, help our congregation, our country, whatever. Uh, for example, as an indiv- well, as a congregation, let's say, um, demographic studies, super helpful, and finding out the age and the family makeup of the neighbors around us if we want to share Jesus with them. Engineering is really important. If we know where to build a building, how are we going to have the right traffic flow? Are we going to have adequate parking? Ministries, many ministries that we do here, to be intentional about greeting a first-time guest on our campus. It's really important. Having a system where we, we, we follow up with that person, we don't lose track. Getting them connected to other people and friends, getting connected to ways they can serve in meaningful ways in our church and the community. Right? These are all helpful. Being ignorant or ill-equipped in the ways of the world is never advantageous. Even uh, we talk about uh, like a strategic plan. We have this big five-year plan we do. Great tools, okay? But a church can do all of that right and still not be fighting the right battle. Ultimately, we're not waging war according to the flesh for the weapons of our warfare. Look at that. Weapons. Pastor Paul, he's talking to his church. He's talking about war and warfare and weapons. This is kind of a big deal. The weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh but have what? a little louder divine power it means they have the power of God when we use these weapons God's power is activated on the battlefield Would you like to have some powerful weapons like that Huh are you on the edge of your seat You ready to start going through them All right one more hold on one more thing I want to share What Pastor Marty, Marty Luther, was a pastor in the 16th century, great reformer. This is, I'm about to show you a quote, this is what he wrote in the large catechism, and it's a commentary, it's in reference to these verses right here that we're reading today in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. To these verses, Martin Luther commented to his church, what fools we are. We must ever live and dwell in the midst of such mighty enemies as the devils, and yet we despise our weapons and armor, too lazy to give them a thought. Well, if there's any good news, I guess people are always the same, right? In the 16th century or in the 21st century. Uh, But his point is the same, and again, it's that same emphasis. Like, this is really important. We're in the middle of a war here. We need to be aware of what's going on around us. Who the enemy really is. How the enemy is attacking us. And, now we're getting to it, what can we actually do about it? Uh, The last part of that verse in verse 4. So we have divine power to destroy strongholds. Now, in the military vernacular, a stronghold is a place on the battlefield where the enemy has amassed a great presence or have a superior advantage. It could be maybe it's elevation or maybe it's just the sheer number of forces and weapons amassed at this one point. Well, in our spiritual lives, our spiritual enemy, he only wants to steal, kill, and destroy us. He gets a toehold and then gets a stronghold in certain areas of our lives He can have strongholds in churches. He can have strongholds in schools, workplaces, communities. He can have strongholds in a nation. I could list a few I could see in our own nation. I'm sure you could too. Let's talk about individually. Where will the enemy try to get a stronghold in your life? Because he will try. For some people, it is... Wealth, but it could also be poverty. It can definitely be a stronghold. It can be uh, health, uh, looks. Uh, it could be the lack of those things. It could be great fear. It could be great pride. Identify those areas in your life where you are vulnerable and realize, which this verse, only... Weapons with divine power will destroy those strongholds. Now, the reason we are so confident in the power of the weapons that God gives us is because we've seen God use them and win. You remember, Jesus faced our enemy head on, and he defeated our enemy head on. The devil attacked him over and over again. He was tempted in the wilderness. And at the end of that section there, and Luke says uh, the devil left him until a more opportune time. The devil didn't give up. He was constantly going at Jesus, going at the people that are around Jesus. Jesus' own family tried to tell him to stop. You're crazy. His... Uh, the witnesses that saw him do miracles at one point were, said that you're, you're casting out demons in the name of Beelzebub, the devil. He was called the devil. And then not until the devil had him on the cross. Finally in a tomb. And just when, our gospel reading tells us, just when the disciples were their saddest and the devils were the happiest... That third day, Jesus rose from the dead. And now he gives us the victory. Now when, this is in 1 Corinthians, so it's still Pastor Paul talking about, when God uses that word victory here, I don't think he's talking about a basketball game. He's talking about a war, a spiritual battlefield. He's assuring us, because Jesus died and rose, we have the victory in Him, and this is what it means for everyday life. When we use the weapons with divine power in them, we'll never lose that battle. Isn't that awesome? If we use those weapons that God is equipping us with, and we train with those, we'll always win. It's guaranteed. Okay, now are you ready to hear some of the weapons? Okay, here we go. The foundation, the the, the most important weapons that we have in our lives, our physical, spiritual lives, our word and sacrament. This is what Pastor Marty says. God provided his church with audible preaching and visible sacraments. Satan resists this holy ministry in all earnestness, and he would like it to be eliminated altogether because by it alone is Satan overcome. That's how important word and sacrament ministry is. Now, another kind of note there I thought was introduced that there's nothing more the devil would love than to eliminate our congregation. So. It's great. It is good and right that we are thinking how to grow, how to reach the community, how to uh, disciple our children, our youth, our adults closer and closer uh, to God. But don't take our eyes off of the big fight. I mean, at every turn, He wants to trip us up, stumble us, pull us apart, confuse us, take us off mission off-focus, uh, we always have to be fighting that battle too. So, uh, word and sacrament word, God's word. What a treasure. A, we, each of us has a priceless treasure sitting on our coffee table or bookshelf or nightstand at home. A priceless treasure. I always, I always say this, right, five minutes a day, if you've been here, have you heard me say this before? If you could just spend five minutes a day in God's Word, it'll change your life. It's, it's incremental. You know, it's not like uh, don't go to the gym one day and come home and say, well, I, don't, I can't really tell the difference. Okay, Don't come to me and say, well, I read my Bible five minutes this week, and I can't really tell the difference. No, right? It's, it's this discipline. It's this consistency of, of being with God and hearing Him speak into your life. And each day, things are different each week. Things in your life are different. God has different things to say to you. Okay, five minutes today in God's Word. Not using God's Word in our spiritual battles is like telling the Air Force to just sit this one out. No, that would be unwise. It's the nicest way I can say it. Unwise. To not have that Word of God, that sword of the spirit. All right, sacraments. We talk about two in our church. Uh, the first one we talk about baptism, right? Baptism. Baptism is an act of God. In baptism, God is claiming us as his own dear child, adopting us. Now you can bet that the enemy does not want you living out all of the gifts and promises that God gave you there in your baptism. And so Martin Luther talks about all the time, encouraging people to daily remember their baptism. So cool. Now, you know, uh, uh, back in his day, they didn't have uh, you know indoor plumbing. They had uh, basins, you know, they had water. So you get up in the morning, and you wash your hands. We talked about every morning he would get up, He would wash his hands. He would splash water on his face. You know, some people do that to wake up. But he would do it, and as the water would run down his face, he would say, I am baptized. It's an identity. It's not just something that happened, right? I am a baptized child of God. His mercies are new every morning. Everything that I did wrong yesterday, it's all been forgiven and forgotten. Now I can live today in his peace serving and loving other people. I am baptized. Daily remember that. That's a crucial weapon at our disposal, in our arsenal, for our daily spiritual battles. Another foundational weapon we have in the sacraments, we have holy communion. In holy communion, God gives us the very work of the cross, the body, broken for us. The blood shed for the forgiveness of our sins. Christ is in you. Now, the devil does not want you to have that kind of communion with your heavenly Father. But the good news is, just like when we read our Bibles and we grow in his word, when we remember who we are in our baptismal grace, when we receive the body and blood of Christ, the devil can't stand it. He has to flee. A crucial weapon in our arsenal. Frequent and reverent reception of the Lord's Supper is a great blessing and it's a privilege. It's also a very powerful weapon. Don't lay it aside. And the last weapon that I want to talk to you today about, not a word or sacrament, I guess, necessarily, but uh, it certainly, it's certainly so profound, and yet it's so simple. And that is this wonderful gift we have called prayer. You know, prayer is just talking to God. Just like I would talk to you or you talk to me. Now, think about this. Think about any friend you have from high school, far off, or a close friend today. How can you keep a relationship with that person if you never talk to them? That's impossible, isn't it? Right? God wants to have the closest relationship with us. It's so important that we talk to Him. Uh, there was a motivational speaker who was uh, given a big, rousing, you know, hoorah speech. And uh, at the end, he ended it with this litany. He was just rattling off all these things that he believes in. And one of the things on the list was, I believe in a cold shower at 5 a.m. every morning. And after he was done speaking, a lady was talking to him, complimenting him. What a great, you know, motivational speech that was. She says, i got to ask, though, what does it feel like (laughs) to have a cold shower at 5 (laughs) a.m.? And he just replied, I don't know. I didn't say I did it. I said I believe in it. Well, I wonder how that applies to our spiritual lives. I mean, we certainly believe in prayer. We all do. But do we do it? Do we realize how powerful it is? We get a picture for how important prayer is by just looking at Jesus' prayer life prayed all the time. Sometimes he would withdraw solitary places to be alone. You can see how pivotal, how central his relationship with his father was in his life by his prayer life. Sometimes he prayed all night long. He always prayed before he had a battle with the devil. His prayer life was so powerful that his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us how to pray. Another pastor, uh, Charles Spurgeon, uh, said, great power in prayer is within our reach. We must go to work to obtain it. I said, prayer is a simple conversation. It is. It is just as if a dear child is speaking to their dear father, except that Our dear Father is the God of the universe. Our words touch His heart, and they even change the course of human history. But how often do we neglect it? So, teach me how to pray. If you don't have a disciplined prayer life, and I'll note the root word there, discipline disciple. We are disciples of Jesus, right? We need to be disciplined in our spiritual lives. So if you don't have a regular prayer life, I'm just going to give you simple hints. You say, yeah, that's of course, but try it. First of all, set aside a consistent time each day. It's great if it's early, you know, when you wake up or maybe after your shower whatever, or after breakfast, Sometime in the morning before you start to that's great. But if that's not a good time for you, pick a time that is so that you'll be consistent with it. If it's right after lunch, before you go back to work, if it's in the evening, whatever. But pick a consistent time and then start slow. Don't, don't go out there and try to run a marathon. right? We're going to work our way up this just like our spiritual exercise, our spiritual training. So, just like I say, five minutes a day in God's Word... How about 5 minutes a day in prayer? I know it's 10 minutes. That's twice as much as I've ever asked you to do before. But 5 minutes in God's word, 5 minutes in prayer. Another great thing. This will help motivate you to pray if you if you start. You got to get the ball rolling. If you start a prayer list, if you use a notebook, a notepad, a post-it note, whatever, Write down the prayers that you're offering up for God, who you're praying for, what you're praying for, if it's work, if it's family, because it is one of the coolest things, uh, being a child of God, to look back a week later, a month later, even a year later, maybe when you get your new notebook and start the next year, and see all of those answered prayers. It's so exciting. And that'll help encourage it, too to see how powerful prayer is and it's working in your life. And then there's different types of prayer. So you don't have to get bored all the time. You can just offer a prayer of thanksgiving and praise, Thinking for the blessings that you have in your life. How about just getting up in the morning, opening your eyes, right, putting your feet on the floor. Uh, there's prayers of intercession. That's when you're praying for somebody else. You step in and lift them up for their needs or concerns. And there's supplications. These are things you ask God for. Those are certainly amazing prayers. And pray for spiritual power, courage, hope, peace. Everything's going crazy. Uh, Teach me how to pray. And now uh, I'm just going to wrap it up with uh, how do we pray specifically in a spiritual battle? You've identified the devil's got a stronghold somewhere in your life or your family or the country, whatever's on your heart. The first thing we want to do is we're going to ask God to bind the evil plans. You see this in Scripture. You see how other saints before us pray this way. We're going to pray that the Holy Spirit, by his power, thwarts the schemes and the plans of all our enemies. And Martin Luther has a great example of this. He wrote a morning prayer and he wrote an evening prayer. And both prayers end with, Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe will have no power over me. You see how real the spiritual war was for Luther, for Paul, for all the saints before us? Great example. So twice a day, Luther would ask us to pray for God to bind evil plans. And the second, we're going to name those schemes where you see the devil working to bring strife in your relationships or turmoil in our country. Name those things. Identify them. Point them out to God. And then, of course, ask for protection. Pray that uh, God, the Holy Spirit, uh, would enter into the darkness of our enemy and shine its light of truth and grace there and make that a place of grace and love. We're going to ask for protection, of course, for physical harm, uh, diseases, but also for souls, ours, our families, our loved ones, our neighbors, ask for God's holy protection. Some parts of Scripture talk about God's banner over me is love. I think there's an old Sunday school song. I don't know how it goes about that, but you pray that prayer. Lord, spread your banner of love over me, this banner of protection. Hosea, an Old Testament prophet, he prayed it this way, different imagery, but the same prayer. protection, put your hedge of protection around me and my family, the enemy cannot get to me. Prayer is such a powerful, powerful weapon. As a matter of fact, last quote I got from Martin today, he said, this we must know, that all our safety and protection consist in prayer alone. How important is prayer? When we ask God for forgiveness, we are storming the gates of hell. When we lift up our brothers, our sisters, our neighbors to God for his his peace and keeping, we are storming the gates of hell. We're pushing back against everything the enemy is trying to do to us and to this world. We are fighting it back with divine weapons. Now, how often? How often do we worship? How often do we remember our baptisms? How often do we receive communion? How often do we pray as if our lives depended on it? We have incredibly... Powerful weapons at our disposal, within our reach. Utilize them, train, practice with them, and watch God bring the victory in your life and in your family and your relationships and your work and your schools. And it's only through us, I'm telling you, it's only through us that we'll start winning the victories in our communities, our state, our country, and even the world. Amen? Amen. Let me pray with you. We'll sing our closing song here in a minute. Almighty God, the Lord of armies, uh, we thank you for the power that you uh, use to save us and to protect us. And we thank you for entrusting to us that power. Through these amazing, amazing uh, uh, tools and gifts that you've given to us, we pray that we would use them well, we would use them wisely, that we would use them often uh, to thwart the very real enemy who is always seeking our destruction, uh, to push him back not only from our lives but from our families and our friends, in Jesus' name, Amen.